0: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Active Growth Podcast. In today's episode, we start off with bad news. Bad news for your business and also bad news for you personally and perhaps even bad news for humanity as a whole. However, don't despair. We're not just spreading doom and gloom here. We do also talk about solutions. So stick through the story in the beginning and the introduction which has to do with people's attention spans what's happening with our attention which is well right now it's not a good thing it's not looking good but it's something that as entrepreneurs we have to be aware of we have to be aware of because whether we like it or not we are in the attention game we have to get people's attention right if we most business outcomes if we talk about getting more traffic building an online audience getting click-throughs, getting conversions. this All of this can only happen if people pay attention to you and your business in the first place. And like I said, right now, we've got some bad news about that. We'll also talk about the solutions that we can put in place. Let's get right into the episode without further ado, except one more thing. You can go to activegrowth.com forward slash 26 to get to the show notes for this episode where you will find links to everything we talk about. And you can also ask questions, leave a comment, leave a voice message and all that good stuff. So that is activegrowth.com forward slash 26. And with that, let's go. I'm Shane Melach.
1: And I'm Aaron Vildweck
0: and I want to start by asking you to imagine imagine this scene. There's a lab rat and I mean a literal lab rat in a cage in a lab somewhere and it has some wires coming out of its skull and in its little cage there are only two things. On the one side of the cage there's a little dish with food and on the other side of the cage there is a switch and we're watching this rat and what it does is it presses the switch and then it pauses for a few moments, then it presses the switch again, it pauses for a few more moments, it presses the switch again, and so on. And this just keeps going and going. It, the rat hits this switch every few seconds. This goes on for minutes, goes on for hours. Sometime the evening comes along and the lab techs are shutting off the lights in the lab and going home. And The rat's still in that cage and it's still pressing the switch every few seconds and it leaves its food untouched and this keeps going on it just keeps going until eventually the rat dies of starvation so the rat dies of starvation in a little cage right next to a tray of food
1: what's that switch doing
0: (laughs) what that switch is doing so this what I'm describing here this is a real experiment that has been run And this setup is one version of what's called a Skinner box. A Skinner box is named after behavioral psychologist B.F. Skinner. And there are many, many versions of this. The the one I described is the most extreme. And to answer your question, what's happening is that the, the rat has these electrodes hooked up directly in its brain. And these electrodes, when it hits the switch, it stimulates the, basically the dopamine releasing pleasure centers in the rat's brain directly, right? It just hits those areas of the brain that make you feel good, basically directly with a slight electrical current, right? So basically it has a switch that makes it feel good. And this is the same kind of reward response in the brain that you would get from uh, eating food or from mating, or from other things that usually, that basically the rat would be evolutionarily really rewarded to do, right? But so instead of having to eat food or mate, it can just hit this switch. So that's what's happening. And in this particular experiment, like I described before, what, what actually happens is that the rat will basically hit this switch to stimulate, to get the stimulation as much as it can for as long as it can until it drops dead. Okay. Why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about Skinner boxes and rats? And what does this have to do with being an entrepreneur?
1: Why do we start with such a morbid introduction (laughs) is the real question.
0: Yes, it's pretty morbid, but actually the topic we're talking about is also a little bit morbid and you can see the reason for yourself There's actually a very practical thing you can do. Although I ask you not to do it, just think about it, if you get your phone right now and you open the App Store or the Google Play Store, then what you think and and what what you're presented with, what these tools tell you is that here is a list of games that you can play on your phone, a list of different apps that give you news or information or entertainment or whatever, right? But really, you are not looking at a list of games and apps. You're looking at a list of Skinner boxes. So this is the thing, right? We are all aware of the great technological revolution that was the Internet and specifically like the Internet becoming a household thing and us having basically constant uninterrupted access to the Internet. Huge thing. But after this, there has been another probably equally large revolution in the tech space. And for most of us, this has flown under the radar. This revolution has been the return of behavioral psychology in this space. So BF Skinner, that was like 60s or 70s, and that was a big deal at the time. And then it fell out of favor again for various reasons. And behavioral psychology has made a huge comeback, obviously, with other people involved and under often under different names such as neuromarketing, right? But the revolution is this, we are learning how to use things like game theory and these devices, mostly smartphones, and how to use interactions and colors and sounds and so on to essentially bypass the person and stimulate the brain directly. So what we're doing with these apps is we are finding the next best thing to inserting wires directly into people's brains, right? We're finding the next best thing we're finding how can we use the way you interact with this tool the way it interacts with you with sights and sounds and vibrations and so on how can we use all this how can we set up like these little games of rewards and feedback that will stimulate those same areas in your brain as directly as possible and i'm saying that this is about bypassing the person if you think about yourself as the person you you're basically thinking about your prefrontal cortex right that the part of your brain that makes long-term plans and decisions and we're getting past that and just hitting those buttons in your brain that release these pleasure responses
1: i remember that when we talked about procrastination and overcoming procrastination that we were basically talking about those techniques to reward and and the gamification but in yourself right and so here what's happening is basically that the phone gives you those rewards but without the effort <laughs> of actually doing something exactly this is basically
0: what we're talking about when you know when people talk about things like cell phone addiction or addictive games and things like that that's that's what we're talking about right it's it's essentially the equivalent of the rat hitting that switch is whatever it is you know swiping through your social media feed or th- swiping through potential dates on on a dating app or whatever hitting the colored candies on a on a smartphone game these are all things that are designed to be as stimulating as possible to those basically lower parts and reward centers in your brain. And a huge problem here is that we are so wired for instant gratification. Because if you, if you think about it, if you're doing one of those things, you're scrolling through Facebook or Snapchat or whatever, it doesn't give you a lot of pleasure, right? If you remember the last time you did one of these things, you weren't experiencing a strong sense of pleasure. But the problem is that there's a huge time distortion when it comes to rating pleasure. What that basically means is that we will take a tiny amount of pleasure that we can get instantly and with no effort over a much larger amount of pleasure that we can get with a little bit of effort five minutes from now. And this means that these even these almost even if the simulation is minimal, something that gives you a tiny bit of pleasure right now with very little effort will basically seem like a higher priority to your brain than important life goals and important plans that would increase the quality of life, you know, by a huge margin, but they're just too far away. And that's how we end up, you know, staying up late at night, swiping through apps or tapping on stuff or feeling the urge to, to, you know, check Twitter or check our messages, even though we know that we should be sleeping. And even though we actually want to be spending our time doing more meaningful things.
1: I think when you talk about like the swiping is one thing, right? Like the the passively looking at it. But what makes it also really addictive is just like getting that feedback, getting those notifications, getting those people who like your picture and people who like, uh, yes, maybe send you a message, send you a thumbs up, uh, that kind of stuff where every time you check, you're basically hoping that you will have one of those feedback notifications happening.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things also, that's why gambling is addictive. So the keyword here is variable rewards. So if you want to learn more about this, read about variable rewards. And also in the show notes, we don't want to go too far into this, but this is pretty interesting and it's pretty interesting science behind all this. I put some resources in the show notes about this basically. There's some good reads about this. Don't read the the book by Nir Ayal. Um, he has, I think, probably the best-selling book in the space. But he's also an idiot, so you shouldn't read his stuff. Um, <laughs> but I'll I'll put some other. So basically, you know if you search for it in, in, on Amazon, you'll probably find that first. But don't read that. But I'll put some other resources in the show notes if you want to learn more about why this is happening. Basically, now why is this important? In again, we're getting closer to why this is important for being an entrepreneur, right? Because I don't actually want to talk in this episode about what this means for you personally, and maybe for you and your family, even though that's important, obviously how this kind of thing impacts our personal lives. But the perspective I want to take here is what does this mean for you as an entrepreneur? And, and here's why this is important with, with the way, our life has been shaped by technology where now everybody basically has this constantly connected device in their pocket. It has changed the competitive landscape quite a bit. And it's because what's become super important in the information age, attention, your attention has become the ultimate scarce resource, right? So everyone has exactly 24 hours in a day and never more. And what's happening is that the giants, in this space giants of technology are basically fighting a battle for every minute and second of that time in your life and this isn't an exaggeration so the the crassest example of this is that um, the ceo of netflix reed hastings said in an interview that uh, when he was asked about competition he said that we actually compete with sleep and he called sleep Netflix number one competitor and not only did he say we actually compete with sleep he also said and we're winning So that's one of the goals of Netflix is to say oh what you're spending eight hours a day sleeping You could be spending one or two of those hours watching a Netflix show instead How can we get you so hooked that you lose sleep in favor of consuming our product right? Now probably if asked about this he'd probably say I was joking or whatever, but no first of all he wasn't joking and secondly this isn't you know there's an underlying truth here that I think we have to be aware of like Netflix is a company that's aware that they aren't just competing against you going to the cinema or you watching TV or you watching Hulu or or Amazon whatever their streaming thing is called right it's not about them and their direct competitors it's about them versus everything else you do in your day with your time and your attention and this has become increasingly true for in general, large online businesses like Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, you name it.
1: It's pretty sad though that they are winning. And I mean, the the truth is they are. Like if you look at your own behavior and you're very honest about it, uh, I, I want the first one to raise his hand who's like never continued watching another episode even though they would have to sleep or yeah has done that rather than working on their side business to get it off the ground, right?
0: Exactly. This is this is where we have this conflict, right? Where as an entrepreneur, right, you know, you have you've got your business goals and you've got strong, like, rational reasons for wanting to spend time to get your business off the ground, right? It'll give you financial freedom. It will create meaningful work for you. It will do all these, like, these are all super important things. But there's this, you know, you can watch another episode of, whatever, housewives fighting each other or something. And that's just somehow more appealing in the moment, right? So definitely that's a problem we've all struggled with for sure. Now, let's take this further into what this has to do or what this means for you as an entrepreneur. So regarding this problem, regarding the problem of these apps becoming more and more effective Skinner boxes and taking up, especially especially for young people, it's, it's pretty extreme because people who grew up never knowing a world without the Internet are more susceptible to this and young brains are more plastic, right? So if you are talking about kids and teenagers being exposed to this, we basically don't know the consequences of such a thing, right? We're, We're running this almost worldwide massive, massively invasive psychological experiment, an experiment that you could never get approval for, by the way, right? If you tried, if you wanted to run an experiment like this on people, you would never get approval from a board to do this, but we're just running this on basically the entire population and to see what happens.
1: And it is scary. It is scary as hell because one of the things that they did already studies on is the number of hours children spent on a tablet or in front of a screen, and then how they design, um, how they draw basically stick figures. And if you compare the drawings of, of a child who spends a lot of time in front of the screen with the drawings of a child who doesn't, like the drawings of that child are so much more detailed and so much better. So it makes people stupid, right? (laughs) And like you're saying, we're doing this on the full population. Like, I find this so scary to see each time that I'm at a restaurant and you see that the children are just having like a tablet in their hands so that they would be quiet in the restaurant. Like, yeah.
0: (laughs) I have to say, yeah, and that that is super scary. Somehow, for some reason, that specific example, it's like, look at the stick figures. And the more time the child spends staring at a screen, the worse the stick figures are. That's super scary. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so, okay. But the thing is that we're not talking about how the whole world is basically going up in flames. One of the, <laughs> let's say, this is a slight silver lining to all this is that there has been more of a discussion about this lately. So there has been more of this has uh, received some mainstream attention that this is a problem. I'm going to link to a TED talk by a guy named Tristan Harris who is, I think, a bit of a pioneer in this field, talking about how we should align—you know—we should design things that align people with their actual goals instead of just making them addicted to, to keep it tapping the screen. Right. Uh, there's a great um, TED talk that I recommend you watch. You can go to the show notes for that um, or search TED for Tristan Harris. Uh, there's also I'm going to link to an interview if you want to kind of uh, dive deeper there. So again, there's going to be a lot of uh, resources for anyone interested in basically just getting deeper into this stuff. So what I want to talk about um, is how this, yeah, how this affects your business and how, you know, what, what should you do differently? And one thing, or the first thing is basically to be mindful of this, to realize that essentially if you're an entrepreneur, your competition is changing. And I want to use Thrive Themes as an example, right? At Thrive Themes, we create conversion focused WordPress themes and plugins. And so it would seem obvious that our competition consists of other companies that also create WordPress themes and plugins. And in fact, when we started Thrive Themes, that's exactly how we thought of it, right? In my competition research, this is the only thing I considered is who else is creating WordPress stuff, but we have to realize that we are in a sense also competing against Facebook and Snapchat and Netflix and Instagram and video games and apps on your phone, simply because we are part of this battle for your attention. So if, you know, if the social media and Skinner box apps are very successful in capturing almost all of your attention and overriding your prefrontal cortex, your, your term planning in favor of this instant gratification, then well, for one thing, you won't read our blog posts and you won't take our thrive university courses and that means you won't learn the things that we have to teach you won't learn how to use our tools effectively you also won't install and use our products you won't spend a lot of time you know working on your website in fact you won't become an entrepreneur to begin with and this is one of the things that i worry in terms of like you know being a long term business is know if if all you do is chase this instant gratification you're never going to become an entrepreneur to begin with so this is something we have to consider like are we going to run out of customers um, because you know because everyone's basically going to be tapping their phone instead of building a business so now let's talk about what you can actually do about it right what can you do if you want to basically adopt your your marketing and the way you run your business to this new hyper distracted environment. And I want to treat this in two different ways. The first is let's think about how you can play this game, right? How you can play this attention game that basically everyone or all the tech giants are playing very, very successfully. And this is about attention management. You have to think about what am I asking of my visitors of my customers of my clients in terms of their attention and time what am i asking of them and how can i earn that how can i earn that attention and time investment and how can i make this appealing to them how can i make what i'm doing compete um with with these skinner boxes that are available everywhere so that's kind of the first thing to to think about is to look at your content look at your website um look at what you do and how you present it Thinking of this competes against like when someone's reading through my website, for example, there's there's this thing in their pocket that they can reach for. And within seconds, they can have a highly stimulating experience there. Right. They can whatever, whatever the social media thing or the, or the mobile game thing, they, this is two seconds away for them. And with that in mind, you know, will I be able to compete against that? Will I be able to compete against this allure of the brick in their pocket? Right. Now, to get more practical, one of the things you can very specifically do and that I highly recommend you do is that when you create content, any kind of content, um, whether it's like a blog post or a you know a sales page or homepage, whatever it is, make your content skimmable. What that means is that you have to realize that most people will not read web content word for word from top to bottom. Most people will skim through it and basically wait for something to catch their attention. So this is about content formatting. Um, we will also link to some content about this on the Thrive Themes blog, because we've written about that quite a lot. But so the basics of, of how to make your content skimmable, how, how to format it more properly is to make sure that you don't just have a wall of text, but that you break it up into like easily digestible chunks and that you have things inside your content, like highlights in your content that catch people's attention as they skim. And an example of this is, you know, subheadings. Make sure that you have subheadings that are not just there and stand out because of the larger font, but also the text in your subheading. Basically, each subheading should try and win someone over who's skimming through.
1: You can think about these subheadings as if each part would be like an episode on Netflix, right? And so at the end, you want to make sure that when somebody actually read a paragraph, like what's that thing that will keep them reading and how can you have your subheading actually lure people in and start reading the paragraph and then they continue reading because it's actually really interesting or it's really capturing the attention what they are actually reading.
0: And the same is true for things like bullet point lists, right? If you add something like a bullet point list to your content, then one of the main advantages of that is that, first of all, it's visually different. so It's eye-catching because of that. But then also the bullet point list shouldn't just be a list of like generic words or a summary or something. It should be something that, you know, something will stand out to a reader. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And it makes them go either I'm going to keep reading from here or I wonder how we got to this interesting point. I'm going to skim back up and and read the last section.
1: That's where the curiosity gap is also interesting when you can open that curiosity gap at the beginning and then... People are like, oh, but I want to know what happened next, right? Again, like that same feeling as when when you're watching something on television, you want to know what, what happened next or why they got to that point. And then it will be very interesting for people to actually go through your whole content.
0: Another rule of thumb I follow when I create content for the web is that, in general, like on a normal sized desktop screen, I want to make sure that there's never more than one screen that has just text on it so i try to make sure that basically if you're scrolling through that on every screen you're looking at there's at least one thing that isn't just text and that could be an image or an icon or something like that it could be maybe a gif or a video that plays it could be a a bullet point list like we just said which is also kind of a visual element it could also just be like a highlight box or a highlighted section or something like that right where where you break up the text by saying, okay, here are the, you know, here's the hot tip and you put it in a box with a, with a colored border. So again, it like just stands out. And uh, again, like I said, we are going to link to a post or two about this on the Thrive Themes blog, because for example, we have a case study on the blog, which is super interesting where someone basically took a piece of content and simply added formatting to it. So all the stuff we just talked about, and it resulted in massively more traffic and more shares uh, because just you know people started actually engaging with this and that then led to better search uh, engine rankings and that led to more traffic and so on so really this is this is something that i think is one of the most important things for creating content is is to add this flair to it that makes it easier for you know or that makes it more appealing to this Let's say the base level of the brain that's looking for interesting stimulation.
1: If you want to learn more also about how to persuade people, how to um create that type of content that actually will lure people in and that will make them continue reading, then I suggest reading the book. It's called Mass Persuasion Method. It's written by Bushra Azar. And um she follows her own rules because the book is really easy to read. And once you start, you won't be able to put it down. Um, and you will learn some very practical things about persuasion. And another book that I think is very, very good to understand what what makes stuff so addictive and and, and contagious, as, as Jonah Berger says in his book with the title contagious this will really help you understand like what makes the human brain thick basically yes
0: and we'll link to those in the show notes as well so what are some other things you can do uh, to play this attention game more effectively so if you we were talking before about like an individual page right an individual piece of content let's let's take a step back from that and talk about not just one piece of content but the different types of content you create the different pages on your website and so on because one thing to consider there is that you can make stranger friendly content and what i mean by stranger friendly is that if someone comes to your website or someone has a first contact with your brand and they're a stranger so they don't know you yet they don't care about you yet and they're in their most distractible state for this case, it's good to have some like short, light and easy to consume content. You can also think of this as the top of the funnel content. So what I mean is that if you if someone comes in as a stranger and they see some, you know, let's say they see a webinar replay that's three and a half hours long, they're probably not going to even start watching that because they go, oh, my God, I, I don't trust that this person is worth listening to for three and a half hours.
1: You didn't earn their attention yet. I mean, this it is. there's a game to, to earn the attention, right? And at that point, if they don't know you, you're not worth three and a half hours of their time.
0: Exactly. And so it would be much easier for such a stranger to maybe they come to a blog post that's relatively short and is like very skimmable, like we talked about, they go through it and within a few minutes they get the feeling like, oh, yeah, this, this is really good. This is some interesting stuff. And then maybe there's an opt-in offer there and even that the opt-in offer is going to be something small and light, right? It's not take our massive video course. It's like, oh, download this, you know, this PDF with the five most important tips for X. And they go, okay, that sounds interesting. They download it. And again, it's like easy and light to consume. And now they've only spent so much time, but they've already made a little bit of a commitment by giving their email address and they're starting to trust you. Right. And then maybe they read something more in depth and then at some point later when they've become fans, they're going to be excited to get on a three hour webinar. Right. But so it's important to basically not only have the heavy, the heavy made for fans in depth, epic content, um, which is appealing to people at the bottom of the funnel, but also to have some ways for people to get to know you without having to invest too much.
1: We're not saying to only have super light and super easy to consume content and never go in depth and never uh, try to have something that's um, more more value basically. And that's something like we'll talk about this more later on. Because um, one other thing that we still want to talk about, about like how to play the game and how to win this attention management is that you can also break it up in you can use multiple channels, basically. Because some people will prefer reading. Some people will maybe watch a video. Some people will be on YouTube to discover you. Some people will prefer listening. That's why podcasts exist. <laughs> and you can use those different channels to capture their attention also at different moments in their, in their day and at different times, basically. Because listening to a podcast is something that you can do while you're doing something else even though we are still trying to have you actually engage with our podcast um, while watching a video you really have to be super engaged you have to be in front of the screen to watch that video so
0: and this is something that i have to say i don't think i'm a great example of this so for example as you know i'm, I'm very light on social media and i do think that for example i don't i'm not on instagram at all to to give a specific example and i do think that I do see how being on Instagram could be beneficial because Instagram is a form of like super shallow interaction, right? It's like you just scroll through and then every once in a while, an image of me or my brand or whatever shows up, or maybe a very short uh, video and it allows you to just like fly past. So that's an example of this, of this very stranger friendly content. And an example of, you know, this is one of the ways in which being on multiple channels can really help. So, This is something I wanted to mention here that, you know, I'm not, this is definitely one of the things that I could do better. Uh, So that's, this is maybe a case of do as I say, don't do as I do.
1: And one thing that I always like to do when you're like, okay, how, how can we play this game? How can we win this attention management is, is looking at what happens um, with websites who manage to do it. Right. And one of the websites that comes to mind is Buzzfeed. I think that is typically one of those very addictive websites where it's easy to click and it's easy to consume and even again like we're not saying to create BuzzFeed content but um, look at what they're doing with quizzes for example they've had huge success with using quizzes to engage people and this could possibly be something that you want to do for your own brand
0: So now that we've covered these different things that you can do to take to make attention management part of how you run your business let's switch it around and let's talk about what you can do without playing this game in fact one of the things I advise you to do is to not play this game so we can do all of the above and I encourage you to do that but as Hannah was mentioning before the idea is not to do just that the idea is not to just try and appeal to people's uh, you know, base instincts and stimulate that pleasure response and just have them consume your stuff in zombie mode. Because, well, two reasons. First of all, even if we tried that, as small businesses, as entrepreneurs, like as solopreneurs and bootstrappers, we won't ever be able to beat the internet giants at the addiction game. We won't ever be able to make the investments they make in technology and in, you know, hiring psychologists and engineers and so on to create the perfect Skinner box. Like we won't ever be able to do that. We won't ever be able to beat them at this game. But at least for me, even if I could, would I want to? No, I wouldn't be happy about that. If I managed to turn, let's say, active growth into, you know, the ultimate, addictive source and you go there and and you check these shallow stories every day and I'm getting all this traffic and I'm making all this money. I wouldn't be happy about that. I wouldn't want that, right? I wouldn't want to feel like, oh, I've managed to turn millions of people into zombies successfully. Yay me, right? (laughs) Come on, come on,
1: (laughs) don't lie. I know you would like to turn people into
0: zombies. (laughs) No, actually, this is one of the things I wouldn't power trip on that. I wouldn't power trip (laughs) on that. So, So that's something where, yeah. We can't beat them. And do we even want to? So what are some things we can do then without playing this game to still succeed in this situation that we're finding ourselves in?
1: Now, one of the things that you can do is actually make them care. Make them care about about you, about your brand make them care about what's going on and and the way to do this to actually create that emotional connection and and it's one of the reasons why i really suggest you read contagious by jonah berger is you can tell stories. You can use personal branding to create that connection and have people have that impression that they actually know you. And it will also help to use those different channels like, like we were talking about. If they see you on video, if they listen to you, they this is something that you can, can help you create your personal brand, right? And I know that it Many people are like, oh, but like there are so many big businesses and they don't have like, it's not a personal brand. But I just want you to think about Apple. I mean, Apple would not be as well known. I'm I'm convinced about that without Steve Jobs. And this is like a huge company, right? <laughs> so when we talk about personal branding, it's not just you are your brand, but it's having a more... Um, human side to the business so that people can relate to it, so that they can have that, yeah, that emotional connection with the brand.
0: Now, you mentioned storytelling, which is a huge part of of branding, even if it's not personal branding, but especially together with personal branding, storytelling is so powerful. And storytelling is, is such a wonderful thing, because why does it work so well? Well, we don't really know, but human brains respond to stories probably even more strongly tend to these uh, to these stimulations that we were talking about that come from an app and stories are just such a primal experience. Right? If you think about primal experience, things that are just so deeply human, they're, they're even animal. If you think about something like, you know, sitting around a fire, listening to a story, this is something that we have done for as long as language has existed, right? This goes back so, so far. And so this is one of the ways in which you can kind of reach in and pull people out of this brain fog is by telling a story. Another thing that I think is very important to succeed in this situation we're in is to create real value. And that's one way in which you can differentiate yourself from a lot of this Skinner Box stuff. Because the Skinner Box stuff is so much just about basically turning you into a zombie that what you can do is if you sell something that brings real value to people, it will also kind of you know, go past that brain fog and reach them. And here's how I think of it. When you When you sell your stuff, then sell it well and sell it persuasively and use all of these techniques that we talked about to get people's attention, to keep them engaged and so on. This is what you do to get through the noise. But once you got their attention, once they bought your thing, then give them real value. And this is where you can differentiate yourself, right? Where it's it's not just, oh, I'm just, this thing is keeping me engaged, so it can keep me engaged, so it can keep me engaged, so it can keep me engaged forever and ever. It's okay. This person got my attention and was persuasive, but then they gave me value. Right, And that's another thing. That's also a thing where you can start building like a real relationship with someone and where you can make someone care about that. Because ultimately, if you are addicted to your phone app, you will basically ditch it the moment a more addictive phone app comes in, right? Because you don't care about the app. You don't care about the people behind you. You don't even know who made it, right? You don't care. It's just hitting that. It's just pushing that button in your brain. And if something else starts doing that more effectively, you'll just walk away from it. But if you're interacting with a business that brings you real value, then that goes beyond that, right? That goes beyond that and they start earning your trust and they start, you know, it starts becoming the thing where you make a deliberate choice of doing business with that company, for example, because of the relationship you have with them.
1: And that's one of the reasons why we actually create this podcast and why we teach this to people because we believe that when somebody has a good idea when when somebody has value to to add to the world to say this way we want them to be persuasive we want them to know how to write good copy we want them to know how to cut through that noise and that's that's one of the reasons why i get excited about good marketing but um yeah learn these techniques so that you can then give real value
0: yeah exactly i think another thing you can do here is to actually be very explicit about that Um, and what I mean is explicit about providing value but also explicit about not being an addiction machine basically so you can be explicit about trying to appeal to that prefrontal cortex part of people remind people of their longer term goals um, and you know basically sell them on the fact that okay this is not necessarily the thing that's going to give you the most direct stimulation right now, but it's in line with your values and it's in line with your longer term goals. And in fact, what you just said before, Hannah, is an example of that, right? Where you, you say, OK, look, here's here's part of our mission. Here's why we're doing this. And this is not stimulating. But if you listen to it, <laughs> <Hey>. you go, <laughs> it's, it's not it's not as stimulating as Candy Crush, OK? <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to it, you go, yes, I agree. That's that's something that's important to me. That's something that I want. And so even though these, these Skinner box machines are getting very effective at turning us into zombies, we, we're not zombies nonstop, right? And so we can appeal to people in their in their moments of clarity. All this for me is another reason to follow the model of a thousand true fans that Kevin Kelly famously laid out like, I don't know. Decades ago, I don't know, I even know how he had a website back then. But um, it's basically an ancient text of the internet.
1: When people were still reading
0: this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's just, it's so brilliant, right? So if you haven't read this, definitely go and read it. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. But the basic idea is that you can make a great living if you have a thousand true fans, which means you don't have to have you know millions of visitors and customers. You don't have to have 500,000 Instagram followers. You don't have to have a million subscribers to your mailing list or anything like that. If you have 1000 true fans, then you can make a great living off of that by, you know, basically if you think about it, a thousand true fans would basically be a thousand people who buy everything you sell. And so if you have a thousand true fans and you, let's say you sell one higher priced product per year, then that makes you a great living. If you have a thousand true fans and you sell a couple of smaller products that makes you a great living, right? That's basically the logic behind it. And this is really true. And it's important to think about this because the way you get a thousand true fans is different from how you try and scale to millions of app downloads It's very different from that and another thing maybe I I overemphasized maybe the the thing about them buying stuff I mean that's kind of the result of it but of course a, a true fan isn't just defined by whether they buy your stuff or not right a true fan is someone who knows your name who has this kind of personal relationship with you and your business and your brand and who relates to you and cares about you and wants to get updates from you wants to get your next product wants to know what's going on a true fan is the kind of person who if you, you know, if you send a newsletter every week the and you don't send one this week, they will send you an email saying what's going on, <laughs> right? Where's my newsletter?
1: And that's not a joke. I mean, I've, I've had this and even for Thrive Teams, we still have this where people are like, oh, we're not receiving your emails anymore. So if you've never had this before and if you're just like, oh, like nobody cares about emails, what are they saying? Nobody would ever send an email back like I didn't receive your email they do <laughs> like this is actually a real thing if if you provide that kind of value and if you manage to have those 1000 true fans
0: yeah for sure yeah this is something that i noticed a lot um especially when i was for a while i was doing sunday update videos so i'd basically do an update every sunday and there I really noticed that a lot because if I'd skip a Sunday, I would get quite a lot of messages about that. Yeah. And I'd say actually that's a pretty good indicator, right? If you if people immediately miss you when, you when you disappear, right? But yeah, and think about, you know, what does it take? What does it take to build that kind of relationship with someone? Now, this is also very much up my alley because it's another example of, you know, it's not about traffic, right? It's not about treating people who come to your website as just like generic it's just traffic it's just this flow of people and i'm trying to get some money out of them but to really think about okay how do i build 1000 true fans and it starts with how do i you know how do i get 10 true fans and then how do i get 100 true fans if you if that's your approach if that's how you approach your business that's how you build up you will do things very differently and i think this is a much more sustainable way of doing it especially in this environment Where you have these giants creating all these skinner boxes you have this rampant distraction going around like i said you can't really hang with these huge companies that are doing all this stuff but i think this is there's still a very real chance for the small business to build your own little tribe of fans and you know do your own little thing and it also means like doing good in the world on a smaller scale but it still matters a lot right and this is also one of the things why i'm excited about what we do is because For me this small-scale entrepreneurship is such an important powerful positive force in the world right because if we think about people listening to this let's fast forward a few years let's say that maybe just i don't know a small percentage of people listening to this do this and manage to do this you know so maybe a hundred people five years from now will have each their little tribe of a thousand people of a thousand true fans and they're providing real value to those people. They are maybe, you know, they they have hired a small team of people. They provide good work for their people and so on. Well, we're already talking about more than half a million people being affected in a positive way, just from a bunch of entrepreneurs, you know, applying this idea of of building a value-based small-scale business. I think that is a hugely important thing in the world and something that we need more of.
1: So if we do a little recap, basically, we want you to know how to play the game so that you can use it to get those first people interested and build that 1,000 true fans. Exactly.
0: And that wraps up our episode. I hope you enjoyed that, even though it was a bit, let's say, a bit darker. The topic was a bit darker than usual. It is, however, also a thing that, first of all, I think as entrepreneurs we can we can try to have a bit of a positive influence on, on what happens here. As a consumer, I think you're more at the mercy of all this happening, whereas as an entrepreneur you can kind of make a statement with how you run your business, how you do things, how you treat people's attention, and so on. So I think that's something that makes me feel more encouraged about this. And. If we take a step back from all this, I also think it's just kind of interesting to see how all this will unfold. Uh, Certainly we live in interesting times. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Have you ever thought about attention management and the attention problems we've talked about here in this kind of light? Do you have your own solutions? Do you have your own thoughts? I'd really love to hear from you. So head over to the show notes that are at activegrowth.com forward slash 26. You can also find a link to those in the description of this podcast episode. So over there, you can leave a comment. You can also leave a voice message. You can just tap a button and record your voice. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear with whatever feedback you have. Speaking of feedback, there's a great review that came in recently that I want to read out. So this is a review on Apple Podcasts with a great title. The title of the review is I'm mad dot dot dot. And then the review itself reads, Dang you all, why didn't you do this sooner? This podcast is genuine, down-to-earth, and brilliant. It is birthed out of personal pain and matured with real experience. The wisdom I have gained from listening to Shane, Hannah, and team has helped me focus my energy on what is most important, shipping. No more procrastination by perfectionism. And if you don't know what that means, subscribe. If you listen and apply, it will change your life. So thank you very much for this review. This is a really excellent review. And by the way, this is some good copy. This is well written. It has character. It's just, this is really good copy. I really like it. So so well done on that and thank you very much for this massively positive review. And then final point, reminder that you can send questions on Twitter, you can simply tweet at ActiGrow, A-C-T-I-G-R-O-W, so just tweet at ActiGrow with whatever question about business and entrepreneurship and productivity and shipping and so on you have, and we occasionally go through the questions that we find and answer them at the top or at the end of one of these episodes. So, That's one of the many ways in which you can interact. You can leave a comment in the show notes, on the blog post for the show notes. You can leave a voice message. You can tweet us your questions. You can leave a review. Whatever you do, let us know whether you like this. Let us know what we can do to make this podcast more useful for you. All messages and all feedback is welcome. And that's all. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one.